Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode on the influential personal brand. I'm so, so excited to get to introduce you guys to my friend Andy Bailey today. Before I give you a formal introduction to Andy, there are two things uh, that I think is really important for everyone to know who's tuning in is one... As you guys know, since you listen to this podcast, you know, we serve the expert community, coaches, consultants, trainers, speakers, authors, or any of you who want to be one of those things. And a huge part of what we're going to talk about today is how to scale your coaching practice, right? But we're going to talk about the business components, the personal components, the leadership parts, the sales parts. And so if that is you and that sounds appealing, then this is probably an episode you want to stick around and listen to. The second thing that you need to know is how I met Andy Bailey, which now would be, I don't know, 14, 15 years ago. Right after you moved to Nashville. I mean, it was like within months and we got connected through a mutual acquaintance. But I remember coming to your office and I was working at our former company and I met you there and I still have it. And it's sitting on my son's shelf and you gave out this little Yoda. These little bobblehead Yodas. Do you know what I'm talking about? Hundreds and hundreds of those things we've given out. But yeah. I still have it. Do you really? I should have brought it up here as proof that I still have it. Um, it's but it's yeah. back here. And I carried around, I have carried around that to two companies, several offices, a new house, and it has made its way onto the shelf of both of my son's study room. And for years, people would come into my office and they would say, are you into Star Wars? And I'd be like, no, I've never seen it. And they're like, why do you have a Yoda? And I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to tell you this great story about this person I met named Andy Bailey, who did not give me something with his logo on it, but gave me something that now makes me tell his story everywhere I go. So I have used that on stages, on podcast interviews, and you may not know it, but I talk about that little Yoda and meeting you all the time. Well, I need to get a bigger stash of Yodas to start handing them if that's going to be the outcome. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and I still have that little sucker. So I just think that's really important because so many of us are trying to figure out in a world that's really noisy, how do you stand out and how do you be memorable? And sometimes it's the personal things about yourself that stick with people the most. And I don't get to see Andy a whole bunch. He's now lives in Colorado, but I still have your Yoda on my shelf. And so I don't see you all the time, but I think about you every single time I walk by that little Yoda. So again, for those of you who are tuning in, I'll give a quick formal intro of Andy, but this is just one of those things. It's like, we're all trying to figure out how do we grow in business? How do we scale? How do we get people to know about what we do so they can buy our products and services? And often we skip past the simplest of things, which is just help people get to know you. Be memorable by just being you, which is exactly what Andy did for me 15 years ago. And now you're on this show. So now let me formally introduce you and uh, we'll get down to business. But 
Andy Bailey is the founder of two awesome companies, Petra Coach, which we'll talk about, and his newest company that we'll also talk about called Boundless. But he helps businesses scale to the point of selling or scale to just the point of healthy profitability. He helps so many people that I personally know with their leadership teams, their sales teams, their executive team. He's a serial entrepreneur. He and I are part of the same EO group here in Nashville, the Entrepreneurs Organization. He is a a speaker and a constant adventurer. So without further ado, Andy, welcome to the show. Wow, AJ, thanks for that introduction. There's a lot in there for sure. We've been an EO member for since 1997. When I speak to those groups, I always kind of weave that in and I'll say, is anybody older than me? In the Like nobody <laughs> in the world has been a member longer than 97. I'm sure there's a few, but there are few and far between. Oh, that's so funny. You know, I, think I just hired two new people and on both of their, you know, I'm like filling out payroll yesterday and both of them were like born in 2000. And it was like, how old am I? What do you mean you were born in 2000? So when you said 1997, it's like, I was just filling these out yesterday going, 2000? How old are you? I'm like doing the math. And it's like, oh my gosh, you're babies. You're babies. Well, I, I'm so excited to have you on the show. One, because I just, I know you personally. I know that you've got such a breadth of wisdom of not just in business, but in this really awesome niche business that we happen to be in, which is in the coaching world, right? It's like you have built an enormously successful coaching business that helps other people build their businesses. So there's so much dual benefit of the conversation that we're going to have today. And so I'm going to start super broad and whatever wisdom you have to get, I'm going to take this personally as like my free coaching hour with Andy, because you're real expensive, but for everybody else is going to get some benefit too. So here's my first question. If you had to nail it down to like the top one to three things that you think business owners need to do today to grow and scale, what would they be? That's pretty easy. So I think in this order of importance, and this is never a popular answer because I've, I've, I've given this answer at colleges and at talks before. And everybody wants me to say stuff like, find something you're passionate about or define your purpose and put a big, like, you know, all that stuff is great. But first and foremost, it has to be profitable. Hmm. If a business doesn't generate a level of profitability, it can't fulfill purpose. It can't take care of others. It can't fulfill a mission. None of that stuff mm-hmm. matters. I'm not saying one's more important than the other, but if you don't have the money, you can't run the business. Yeah. And I watched it happen quite a bit. So profitability would be at the very top of the list, making sure that that's in check. We were talking about people earlier. You have to, and we see this in EO quite a bit. Now I have the fortunate, I get to go talk to a lot of EO and business people and big groups and big crowds. And usually leadership or the leader themselves, they invest in their own personal growth. Mm. But they don't do the same for their team members. Mm. If you take a, a general business, it's about 5 or $10 million in revenue. And if you took their P&L and just looked at what is the education line or the learning line, the majority of that's going to be tilted towards the owner of the business, the entrepreneur themselves. And then it just goes right down the scale all the way to the front line. So we've got to make sure that we're investing to grow our people. Sometimes I'll, I'll speak to it as, you know, if a business is growing at 20% a year, everybody in the business has to grow at 20% a year. They have to build additional capacity. Capacity can be knowledge or skills or feeling better, or whatever it might look like. But we have to make sure that we're investing in the people. So the profitability okay. looks in on the 
to the individual. And then I think they got to get really good at sales and marketing. Hmm. You can have a lot of really screwed up shit in your operation side. And that stuff's a little bit easy to fix. But if you don't have anything coming in the front of the house, it's hard to, to work on the back of the house. Making sure that what you build, the engine you build is a profitable engine. Making sure that you're growing your people at a pace that you're growing your business. And then making sure that you have a way to go get people in the door to buy or to, to sell your services or your product to. Mm, those are good. And I have a question for each one of these because I think these are, one, just sound business <laughs> like sound business principles that we often neglect in the sake of do what you want to do. And and that's also important, but those should come those should a little bit be the, well, duh, you should do what makes you happy. But at the end of the day, it also has to work, right? And working means it's profitable. So if you, generally speaking, had to just give anyone who's like their businesses could be Maybe they're a speaker, maybe they're an attorney, maybe they're a dentist, maybe they're a coach or anything in between, right? But it's like, if there were just a couple of simple keys of going, like, this is just basic business 101 when it comes to getting profitable. What do people need to know? Be good. That's the answer to your question. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's, wow. Yeah. Actually, you do what you say you do, right? Yeah. Uh, well, we have some rules in business. One of them is do what you say you're going to do be on time every time, finish what you start and say, please. And thank you. Like that's four rules in business that everybody should be following. Your competition doesn't do that. It's easy to outpace your competition if you do those four things. But what I'm saying about being good is if I stack up everybody else that does what I do and people are going to pick me, and this sounds like an arrogant statement, but people are going to pick me out of that lineup nine out of 10 times. I've literally had spent a thousand days in rooms with teams. Like let that seek in for a second. A thousand eight to 10 hour days working with teams of people over the last decade, plus all the prep work, plus all the reading, you know, the 300 books that went into it. I'm good at what I do. I'm really good at what I do. That means I don't have to go market myself all that much or go sell myself all that much. It means I can be more profitable. It means I can do all the things in business that I want to go do. Now, my job now, because of the scale of Petra is to get other people to be good which is a whole nother challenge. And that's what I'm working on. But the answer to the question is, if I could give you one piece of advice, go be good at what you do. Yeah. Really be good. I love that. What I wrote down for myself is be so good at what you do that you're the only option, right? It's like you so outpace everyone around you that you are the only option because you're so good at it. That's right. That's Whatever good. it is that your chosen field, if it's writing or speaking or coaching, especially your audience, probably a lot of solo entrepreneurs or solopreneurs. They probably spend a lot of their time in, is my website right? Is my business card right? Do I have my thing put together? Is the cover of... All that stuff is good and you got to do that. But if if you're not delivering at the point of delivery to a level better than everybody else, it's not going to matter that much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We talk about this all the time at Brand Builders Group is that people often want to skip what we would call the fundamentals of building your personal brand, which is ultimately what problem do you solve? What's the unique way in which you solve it? Who do you solve it for? And how do you make money solving it? That's step one. Step two is 
What do you have to say that forwards the conversation? So it's developing your true thought leadership. And then number three is, then how do you want to say that, right? That's the art, the artistry of our content, the artistry of our body of work. And what I find so often is people want to skip all of that and they want to grab a pretty website, right? Because there's this tangible, pretty thing that's like, look how pretty this is. Or they want to jump straight to social media. They want to do all the things that make it look like something versus having, back to what you say, it's like, make your content so good, you don't have to market it, right? And it's like, that's hard and it takes time uh, and a lot of effort. That time piece is probably the one that's most difficult, especially in our time now. Mm. Everything is instant. You have an entire generation that grew up on everything is at my fingertips. If I want something, I just push a button, the car comes, picks me up, takes me where like all that stuff is instant. There's no real concept of time. And you've heard the statement, everybody probably has heard the overnight success is a 25-year journey. Always. Mm -hmm. Um, Petra is now 12 years old. That's a decade-long business journey. And if you look at it, you go, man, these guys are doing great. Well, shit, we weren't doing great 12 years ago. (laughs) We were charging nothing and working our asses off and screwing a bunch of stuff up, but learning along the way. But we built on a little bit of success and built on a little bit more and built on a little bit more. And we didn't stop being good. We kept Mm-hmm. looking for what's the next good. And we still do that today. Yeah. And that kind of leads into the second thing that you said, which is be growing as yourself, the leader, right? The entrepreneur, the business owner, but also have your team grow. And so I'd love, do you have any just kind of like tips or best practices, rules of thumb, whatever we want to call it, of how much do you invest in your team, right? What's a good budget policy? Do you let them pick? Do you pick? What's a good practice? I don't think there's an answer to, not a universal answer. If you're, you know, 10% of gross margin should get like that stuff probably doesn't exist because everybody needs something in a little different degree. But certainly if you're running an organization that has people in it other than you, you should be working with the individuals to figure out where are their gaps? What is the place, not weaknesses, but gaps? Mm-hmm. What do they need in order to, if your business, I said this to you earlier before we got on, but if the business is growing at 20% a year, that's 60% over a three-year period. Every person around the table had better be 60% better, stronger, faster, smarter, all the stuff. Or when you reach that place, you're going to hit a ceiling and not be able to grow past it, or you're going to yeah. experience a lot of chaos and pain, right? So what do you have to do? And sometimes that's people skills. Like, Jimmy, I need to teach you how to actually deal with people. And, and sometimes that's knowledge. And, you know, I need to learn how to code something, right? There's, there's, it depends on the position and what the outcome is. But if we do it, if we wait until it's too late, then it's too much to grasp. If you wait till you're 40 pounds overweight and you start working out, it's really difficult. If you start doing it now while you, you can keep it in check kind of thing. So small bite-sized pieces, but the key is to sit down with team members and find out what are we doing to grow you? Mm-hmm. Not what are you doing to grow the business, but what are we doing to grow you? And it doesn't have to be like 50% of the person's time or 5% of the person's mm-hmm. time. These small things if we do it on a regular basis. That's and good. We find the that. company just don't focus on it. That's good. But that, I mean, that's a whole concept. I remember hearing this years ago. It's like, if you grow, the business will grow. 
right? So it's like businesses are just a collection of the people, right? And their experience, skills, knowledge, right? It's like businesses don't exist without humans. Some human has to be there. So it's like, where are you growing? And as long as you're growing, the business will likely follow you in some capacity. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. And then the third thing, sales and marketing, which you kind of referenced this a little bit. It's like, man, if you're so good that you're the only option, kind of sell yourself. But in a world where it's easy to compare your step one to someone else's step 1000 or your year one to someone else's year 12. And when you get in a world that's so noisy with distraction of oh, we've got this growth funnel and we've got this email thing and we've got this new website thing and you've got all things digital that are real distracting and surprise, they actually cost a lot of money and also take a lot of time. What would you say are the one to two things that's like, just pause for a minute. If you really want to grow sales, this is what you need to do. What would you say? Ask. <laughs> ask. Ask for the sale. You don't get a date unless you ask for a date. Like they don't just show up. I mean, maybe they do these days, but typically you have to ask in some form or fashion. We hide behind the bunch of shit that doesn't put us face to face with people. Mm-hmm. They're wanting to get an engagement, sell a book, sell a case of books, book a speaking thing, and you're talking to somebody, ask them for the sale. Hey, are we ready to do this? We ready to get this on? Whatever it is you got to say. And I explain it like this to salespeople, my own salespeople included. Before that moment in time, you didn't have anything, nothing. You didn't have the sale. You did not have the sale. You had zero. So you got no risk in it already. Mm-hmm. Take the risk. And the second thing would be pricing. Most of the people that I'm making some assumptions here, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I would venture to guess that, that most of the people that you work with are way undercharging for the services that they provide. Way undercharging. Let me make sure you heard that. Way undercharging, most of you. And I find that even in business, especially in small business, and it's one of the hardest things we do. Like we, we coach 10 million to a billion dollar companies now, but anytime that we go into an organization and we do a financial review and, and we have like, lead, we call them levers, we can pull these levers. One of the levers is increase in price. Mm-hmm. And you would have thought I just shot somebody's dog in a room and made them watch when we start talking about, we're going to have to do a 3% increase in price. Well, shit, the market and paper costs 17% more. Gas is 40% increased. Freight to bring the stuff to the warehouse went up by 70% last quarter. What do you mean you're freaked out about passing along this percentage increase to the customer? Well, I'm going to go tell them it's a price increase. Everybody's got a price increase. Mm -hmm. And most of the services that we offer have value on the other side of it. And I think what we get tangled up in is our own minds of, it's just me on the stage for an hour. It's just the written word. But my creativity shouldn't cost all that kind of much. 
Mm. What you're bringing to the table is not what you're doing in that room or what you wrote on that page. It's the 18 years of experience or five years of experience or the thing that you lived through that was pure hell. And now you're going to go tell the story. That's the thing. That's the value. Now, you put in the work for 18 years, eight months, three days, whatever your story might be. That's what you need to get paid for. Mm -hmm. So I tell businesses a lot, especially little ones. I remember we have a mutual friend in Nashville. I won't mention her name, but she is in the wedding business. And the first time I met her, she asked me about could I help her with her thing? And it was probably her and like one other person. And the first thing I told her was double your prices. Don't even talk to me anymore. Go back to your office and double your prices. Now, I didn't talk to her for a while. And she came and found me one day and said, I did exactly what you told me to do. <laughs> totally and I doubled my business, not just my number, doubled my business in the first year. So those two things, ask and charge more. Yeah, that's so good. You know, it's so funny because I know exactly who you're talking about. And not only did she double her business, she had a wait list. She had a wait list of people who wanted her services to do their very, at that point, high-end weddings. And it did double her business and then had a wait list. Because I think a part of that is, I think what I have found anyways, in a lot of programs out there is if you don't have confidence in your own pricing, the consumer base has just a lack of confidence in what it is. And it's like, it's only this amount of money. It can't be that good. It's like we even associate pricing with quality, which is often not true, right? And I think the great analogy to that is a book, right? It's like, I think books are one of the most undervalued and most important things in the whole world because it's like, you think about how much I prepared, no offense, Andy, for this podcast. And it was like 10 minutes. But you think about how much I would prepare for a blog. I don't know, maybe it's 20 minutes, but how much time I take to prepare for a book is years, yeah. right? The amount of editing and distilling and back and forth. And it's what, $24.99 to buy a book? Yeah, right? you don't make books. I got a couple of them myself. But it's like, I think we go, oh, well, but right. Somehow it's like, if I want to coach with Andy, it's going to cost me $20,000, right? It's like, or oh, I could read a freaking book, right? They're clearly different, but a lot of times we just undervalue things because they are underpriced. And it's like, when you get it priced right, people actually, you attract the right audience. And I just, I see that happen with our clients all the time. It's, they're not attracting their right audience because they're not priced right. They're attracting an audience that actually is the opposite of what they're looking for based on pricing. Well, and they want volume too. They won't buy it at that. Everybody else is charging $99. If I charge more than $99, they won't buy it. Well, everybody's buying the other person's shit. Now it's like, do you want all of those? Because you got to go do the work that represents all of those. If you tripled the price and you got one third the amount, you're actually better because you're working one third as often for the same money. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, in our organization, Petra today, we've gone from I remember the day that we went to $2,500 a month was our standard fee for coaching. We have companies today that are $25,000 a month. Mm -hmm. Same person, exact same person, pretty much the same process evolved over the course of time a little bit, but pretty much the same process. A lot more knowledge, decade of knowledge in the room, but from $2,500 to $25,000, I go see somebody for two days every three months. They pay me $75,000 for two days. And I go get it. I feel like I do a good job. We have good results. They make another $100 million at the end of the year. Everybody's happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of back to, it's like people don't pay for time. They pay for experience. 
That's and right. your ability to consolidate that into super easy to comprehend strategies and principles that my team can then go and deploy, right? That's what we're paying for. So kind of on that note, you mentioned Petra, which you have scaled to a very healthy eight-figure coaching business over the last decade. So if we were to just take a moment and narrow in a little bit of not general practice, but like scaling a coaching business, what does it take? What do you need to know? And how do you do it? What do you got for us? Well, I should probably write that book because a lot of people want to know that. What I did in the very beginning when it was just me was I, I went to some kind of thought leader gurus that are around the coaching world. And I started asking the question, because this is what I do. And I teach other people to do the same thing. If I want to achieve something, go find somebody who's already done it and just ask them how they did it. You're asking me now. So I went to two or three people who were kind of kings of the methodology and just said, you know, I, I would like to, my history comes from recurring revenue. So I learned the re recurring revenue thing back in, when I, in my 20s. So I did not want to just trade my time for money for the rest of my life. I wanted to make sure I built something that returned revenue without me doing it. Back in the story. So I asked a few people and they said, you know, I don't really know of anybody that took a methodology that they would deliver to a group of people and turned it into a practice. Mm. With so I had to figure that piece out on my own. Extremely difficult, more difficult. And I started the software company Align, as you're familiar with. It's in New Orleans, has 25 or 30 employees, does great down there. We've got a marketing company as well in the Petra and Balance. So I started these kind of traditional businesses alongside this coaching practice after having a traditional business for 18 years prior to that and exiting it. Coaching practice, factor of 10, more difficult to scale. Factor of 10. It's an incredibly difficult thing. So how did I do it? A little bit at a time. So we made some mistakes early. We got some wrong people in the seats out of necessity. I learned that lesson really quick, meaning there was so much business coming in the door that I just really needed the relief. So mm -hmm. I put a couple of coaches in place who were not good at what they do. They weren't any remotely near good and turned them loose on these people who quickly ran away from them. So I had to kind of back that up. So I learned, well, exactly what am I looking for in a coach? I didn't really know like intuitively knows. So defined exactly to the letter what that looked like. Mm -hmm. And we are incredibly intense on anybody who wants to work inside of the organization as a coach today. They have to go through, we call it a gauntlet. I talked to a guy today and he wanted to be a coach. I said, look, man, we're like the Navy SEALs. We take the best of the best in the world and we put them through hell. And if you make it through hell, then maybe we'll invite you in. You got to be ready for that kind of thing. So some people are attracted to that process. Some people are repelled by it. There's a reason that that exists. Mm -hmm. And then again, it's when you first get someone in. So I go get another coach. We bring them back in. There's a period of time that, and it's usually somewhere between 12 and 24 months. They go through a training process. And then day one in the room with the client, they completely fall apart. Like they forget all their training, what they're supposed to say, what the next steps are, what page to turn, like forget absolutely everything. So they screw up for about a year to two years. And we call it burning members. We call our clients members because we know we are putting companies in there. Now they're getting value, more value than they would get from the open market, but not nearly the value that they're going to get if they came to this person when they were two years in. You with sure. me? Mm -hmm. We charge less for it. We're very open and straightforward. They get a lot of time with the coach, but the coach's abilities aren't developed yet. We've learned that recruiting the right people is incredibly important. 
making sure that we do not compromise on that no matter what the circumstance is. And then training and retraining and training and retraining as we go down this path and nothing replaces experience. We can do all the online training, all the shadowing, all the books, everything, everything. But as your speakers on this absolutely understand, you're not as good. I don't care what you know from stage. The 50th time is you are going to be the 500th time. Experience is the best teacher. Yeah, it's so funny. One of our early mentors, when my husband Rory was competing for the world championship of public speakers, we remember this so clearly. And Eric Chester is the one who told us this. He said, the only difference between a good speaker and a great speaker is a thousand speeches. So go give this presentation a thousand times. And I promise you, it'll be great. Yep. And that's what he did. That is literally what my crazy husband did in the back of a Denny's with two, two people to any school or free club that would have him. And in that first 12 months when he was competing, he did that speech probably 340 times. And that's once a day, y'all. Like there's only 365 days in the year. And out of 25,000 contestants, he came in second, right? What he says, he's the number one loser. But it's <laughs> like, man, it was, he's doing it every single day. You think about that. It's like, you do anything every single day. Over time, you're just going to get better. You have no choice. But most people, most people will not go do that. And we talked a little bit prior about just the societal viewpoint today is give me that now. I deserve it. Mm -hmm. No, you don't. You haven't done it a hundred times or 340 times or a thousand times. You don't deserve it. You're not going to be good or great until you go put in the work. The work part is the part that most people won't go do. Only a few. And those few will exceed and show up and they'll get the brass ring or the golden ring or whatever it is that they're chasing. Yeah. I think that's a good reminder to all of us. And even starting Brain Builders Group, like we turn five years old in just a couple of weeks. And yes. it, feels, it feels like yesterday, right? But we were building our first coaching company for 12 years. And the thing that I've learned is the more that you do something, the quicker you can redo it and make it better. But it's like, we stepped into building Brain Builders Groups constantly frustrated of like, why isn't this working fast enough? But you look up one day and you're like, oh, that's because it's like, again, I have so much to learn in the patience category, but it's like, and it takes time to build anything good takes time. And if you rush it, you're going to cut corners and you're going to skip things that are crucial to the foundation. And I know from our community and from people listening, it's like, man, you want it to work so bad and you want it to work so fast that you're often tempted to just skip steps. But it's like, you're always going to have to repeat those steps at some point. And everybody's looking for a like a silver bullet, like, a, can I use a piece of technology? Can I use a, like, no, <laughs> you can use it, but you're not getting a skill from it. So. Yeah, that's good. I think one of the things too, because you have done this, how many coaches do you have at Petra? There's about 25, 26, something like that. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a ton. So if you were to give any tips, and I know we only have a couple of minutes left here, but if you were to give any tips for people going, great, Andy, I have to go hire people. Like, where do I find good talent? How do I find, attract, train, and keep good talent? What are your yeah. tips? 
first of all, it's a decision process. And I've had this conversation, especially when somebody, I'll use an example, been working with the company now for a while, like a decade, a while. And when they first approached me, highly successful, highly profitable, just a few people kind of run like a fraternity house. And they were in the sales business and they all made great money. I mean, like millions a year, right? But he wanted a business. He's like, you know, I feel like I need a business. I'd like to, I want to scale this thing. I want to turn it into an actual business. I know it's just a job right now and it's a good job, but an actual business. I'm like, are you sure, dude? Like, you need to be sure. And there's nothing wrong with solopreneur, lifestyle business, staying small, staying small and being great. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that because it takes an enormous amount of energy to scale something beyond yourself. Mm-hmm. A group of people to look, smell, and act the way you want them to look, smell, and act on a regular basis is not an undertaking for the lighthearted. So the first is be very cautious with even the decision because we mm-hmm. glorify business people. We put them on magazines to talk about their organization. You know, it's a 10,000 person group or 100,000 person group or whatever. But uh, the glory is the end result. What they don't see is are the years of the pain to get there. So mm-hmm. the first point of that is be cautious of making that decision in the first place. The second piece is you're going to lose money before you make money. So if you make it $2 million a year doing what you're doing today as a solopreneur, you probably are going to get to a place where you make a half million dollars in the first three years of your little venture off into being a business because now you're paying other people to do stuff 30% as well as you were doing it until they can get up to the 100% where you want them to be. And you got to be willing to suck that up for a period of time in order to get scale on the other side, right? So it's going to cost you not just effort and energy and time, but a lot of money to go build something like that as well. So at the end of the day, just be cautious with the decision itself. Yeah. I think it's actually really wise and sage advice because I think we often get so tempted where we think we have to scale. We think we have to grow. And the truth is, you, you don't have to. You don't. I'm at a place right now with Petra. We had a meet, half a day meeting today. I mean, our business does really well. It makes really good money. I'm not that involved in it anymore. You know, I built it so it could run on its own. That's what we do with other companies. Might as well do it my own. So all of my businesses operate pretty much without me. But in order to go from where we are to the next level, you know, the 25, it's going to take a lot of my time and attention. And I'm weighing in my mind, like, am I actually willing to go do that? Or am I okay where I am? And could I point my energy in another direction? So I'm making that decision personally, while I'm telling you guys the exact same thing, you asked me about where to go look for great team members to be in a coaching, put down the attributes, not the skill set. That's good. What are you looking for from an attribute standpoint before you look at the skill set? Skill sets can be taught. Attributes are innate and they're just part of the being. Mm -hmm. What are your core values of your business? What is the purpose of your business? What are the pure attributes that you're looking for in a human being to you know, I wrote an article years ago, AJ, called uh, Sharing a Toilet Seat. It actually was in the Tennessee, and if you remember that old, that old yeah. yeah. And it was about, I said, look, when you hire somebody, you're going to sit on the same toilet seat that they sit on. Don't you want to take just a little bit of time picking that person? Like, <laughs> just, like hiring somebody, right? And then it went into what can you do to slow this process down and be more appointed with making your decision? Yeah, actually, I love that. It's 
what can you do to slow the process down versus how do I speed it up? And I think so often it's like, how do we make faster recruiting decisions and how do we expedite the onboarding? And it's actually, I really love the advice of like, no, slow it down, right? It's like, don't make these hasty decisions. Know exactly who they are. Make sure they know who you are. And that, again, takes time to slow it down. You've had the experience. I'm making, again, another assumption. And I talk to a lot of business people. You know how difficult it is to get somebody out of your business once they've been there. Oh, yeah. It's annoyingly difficult. And there's not going to create any sort of legal ramifications or everyone leaves on good terms and everyone's happy. It's a little bit like getting married. And for those who've been through this, getting divorced. It's often a lot easier to get married than it is divorced. Super easy to get married. Super easy. Really difficult to break that thing up. Yeah. Same thing is true. And painful for all the parties involved. So slow it down. I love mm-hmm. that advice. You wouldn't rush into a marriage. You would date for a while. You'd pick different people. You'd sit with them. You'd talk. Like you learn shit about somebody before you make the commitment. Same thing is true here. Yeah, I think that's so good. Andy, if people want to learn about Petra and what you do for businesses, and if somebody's in a state of like, I am scaling and I do need this kind of advice, where should they go to learn about Petra? Just go to PetraCoach.com. We have some online tools and some downloads there. We also do some live events, virtual live events. May the 18th, I don't know if this comes out prior to May the 18th, but we do have a live event in Nashville that people are welcome to sign up. Most of the stuff is free as well. Ah, that's awesome. And I'll put all that in the show notes. But then also you've got this awesome new company, uh, Boundless.me. And that's really more about the personal development side. And so can you give us your 30 second, tell us about Boundless and where people go to find out about it. Yeah. So as we were talking about earlier, like growing the individual inside of the business, that was a missing component inside of Petra. It wasn't something that we could spend a lot of time with. So we started the business a couple of years ago that took the tools for growing an organization, a company, And we just turn those tools into tools for the individual. We call it high performance for high performing humans. So it's literally think of it as life planning. Where are you going to be in your life? What do you want in 10 years? What do you want in a year? Very, very detailed. We created a journal system that goes along with it so you can write every day. And it's a process I've been following personally for 12 years. And I just turned it into this stuff. It's been, this has been a fun journey creating this. And people can go to boundless.me to check out the more personal development side. And then also in the show notes, Andy's been so gracious. We're going to include an awesome QR code where you can just sign up for quick, easy little snippets of information that'll come to you every day. And so that'll all be in the show notes. And I'll put all of the other links in there so that you guys can learn, stay in touch and continue to get these awesome pieces of wisdom from my good friend, Andy Bailey. Andy, thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate you. And for everyone listening, make sure you stay tuned for the Cliff Notes version of this episode, which will release shortly after this. We'll see you next time on The Influential Personal Brand. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to 
podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free 30-day access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we'll get you set up with free access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, just please share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation. 